doing all the basic stuff really well matters. Using your brain, which is not something you can purchase, that care you're rendering with your expertise as a paramedic, that stuff all matters. And so are these things potentially great tools for certain circumstances? Absolutely. But they're not the magic key to unlocking uh, large percentage uh, survivability rates. Here you on eight. Welcome to EMS Cast, where we provide high-level education for you, the providers on the streets. I'm your host, Ross Orpit. And I'm Will Berry. And today, Will, I wanted to chat about a really interesting study that I came across a year or so ago and actually did a presentation on. And this study looked at all of the data surrounding mechanical CPR devices. Will, what's your opinion on mechanical CPR devices? My opinion is pretty positive. I've gotten the opportunity to use them in two different systems, pre-hospital systems, and found them to be helpful. But I guess I'm biased because it's just practical, right? Like you get your hands freed up. You don't have somebody doing CPR. You now have a machine doing it, which feels really helpful. But I don't honestly know a lot of the, the data to support or say these devices aren't helpful. Yeah. So I hear a lot of big talk when it comes to mechanical CPR devices. And and in fact, recently I've seen a lot of PR on social media when it comes to these devices. I see a lot of agencies posting their new fancy mechanical CPR device and, and touting their life-saving capabilities. And so why, why is this? So Annually, there are approximately 326,000 cardiac arrests resuscitated by EMS. And early high-quality CPR is what we know really increases survival. So what is that defined by the AHA? That is defined as 100 to 120 compressions per minute, a depth of at least 5 centimeters, and allowing for full recoil. And so what are the challenges for EMS when it comes to providing CPR? and getting this high quality CPR. Well, one of them is just a lack of human resources on scene. One is compressor fatigue, where you're not pushing as hard or deep or as fast. Another is competing tasks, where you have one provider who is on the chest, but you need to get other things done as well, and then potentially CPR in a moving ambulance. And so in order to answer some of these challenges, we develop these devices Two of the most popular ones are the Autopulse, which is made by Zoll, and the Lucas, which was developed by PhysioControl. And these were designed to essentially relieve these challenges that we just discussed. But the question is, are they effective? Do they really save more lives than manual CPR? And we actually have a lot of data on this. We have a lot of randomized controlled trials looking at mechanical CPR versus manual CPR. So this study that we're about to look at is entitled Effectiveness of Mechanical Chest Compression Devices Over Manual Cardiopulmonary Resuscitation, a Systematic Review with Meta-Analysis and Trial Sequential Analysis by Sheraton et al., which was published in the Western Journal of Emergency Medicine in July 2021. Ross, can you talk a little bit about these uh, retrospective analytical studies. I've always been told that the gold standard is a randomized controlled trial. 
You're absolutely right. So the gold standard is a randomized controlled trial, ideally double blinded. And actually, this systematic review found that we have six such trials looking at these devices. We also, they added to this nine observational trials, which are of slightly lower quality, as as you mentioned, when you compare them to randomized controlled trials. But there are six randomized controlled trials, nine observational trials for a total of nearly 20,000 patients studied over the lifetime of these devices that they included in this paper. Do you know which devices were studied? Lucas versus Autopulse? Yeah, so they looked at both the Lucas and Autopulse specifically in this paper. There were about a little over 10,000 patients in the Lucas trials, three randomized control trials of those with three observational. And then there were a little over 8,000 patients in the Autopulse, three randomized control trials of those, four observational that looked at the Autopulse. And then there was one observational trial that looked at both devices. So when they look at all of these together, kind of in aggregate, what are they finding? So in this, they chose an outcome of ROSC sustained for greater than 20 minutes. Now, this is a primary outcome. Doesn't necessarily mean a whole lot to you as a patient, right? It's not something we call a great patient-centered outcome, because really, if you're a patient, what you care about is, did I live to hospital discharge and did I have a good neuro outcome? But the authors felt that this ROS sustained for greater than 20 minutes would be the outcome that's most attributable to the CPR devices, whereas something like survival with good neuro outcome would be heavily influenced by variations in post-resuscitation care that would be difficult to account for. So that's why they chose this outcome of ROS sustained for at least 20 minutes. And did the CPR devices save more lives? Yeah. So what were the results? So when they pooled all of these studies together in a meta-analysis, they found that the mechanical chest compressions did not significantly improve ROSC when compared to the manual chest compressions in patients undergoing resuscitation after a out-of-hospital cardiac arrest. That's the main takeaway, which I think might be surprising for a lot of people. As I often hear people talking about how superior these devices are over conventional CPR, but that's just not true when we look at a large amount of data that we've looked at this, there's just no difference between the two. That's pretty surprising because just practically speaking, you think, well, this machine is going to do this compression the same way every time and not get tired. I know exactly. Like I talked about earlier, it's going to do the same rate every single time. It's going to do the same depth every time. It's not going to fatigue and it's just going to keep working like a, a workhorse. But Unfortunately, if you look at just having providers who can provide high quality CPR, it doesn't make a difference. And in fact, there's so much data on this that the paper did something that's called a trial sequential analysis, which is a fancy methodology that can be used to control for what's called random errors, but also to assess whether further trials are needed to be conducted to either be assured of the results, or if we have so much data that any further studies would be unlikely to add to the current evidence base. And after performing this analysis, they determined, and I'll just quote them here, mechanical compression devices for resuscitation in cardiac arrests are not associated with improved rates of ROSC and studies done to date have enough power to render further studies on this comparison futile, which is a pretty powerful statement. Yeah, they're basically saying they closed the book on this whole thing. Yeah. And now when I bring this up, 
I think this is where people start to get pretty defensive about their expensive, shiny toys. And I am not saying that mechanical CPR doesn't work, right? That's not what this paper is saying. Mechanical CPR works. It works just as well as manual CPR. The outcomes were no different. It just doesn't work any better. It works, it just doesn't work any better. So in my mind, it actually comes down to a resource question. Does this CPR device make sense in your system? That's where I feel like my experience comes in, in in my mind. I, you know, I haven't deployed these devices enough to, to feel strongly that they save people's lives. But what I can speak to is having this device on a hypothermic patient and following them into the OR in a setting when this patient would have had over an hour of CPR done on them by manual chest compressions, rotating in other people, that sort of thing. So just the practical benefit there is kind of nice, right? Like you just have this machine, you plug it into wall power and it just keeps going. I've also been in situations that were pretty resource depleted and it was like, oh great, we can free up another paramedic to do paramedic things while the machine does chest compressions. And so those situations make a lot of sense to me and it, it makes sense to me that it's just as good as a quality compressor a human compressor but there are potentially some maybe operational benefits perhaps yeah exactly in my idea the the system issues that may play a deciding role are one do you have the expendable cash to afford these devices If so, great. They work just as well as manual CPR. It frees up a provider from having to manually provide CPR, which brings up my next consideration is, do you have enough providers on scene to perform manual CPR? If you work in a system with very limited manpower, or it's maybe just you and one other person, then a mechanical CPR may be very advantageous to free up providers on scenes for other tasks, like starting IVs, managing airways, And then do you work in a system that routinely transports out of hospital cardiac arrest and thus need to perform CPR in a moving cramped vehicle where we know that hands-on CPR is less effective? If that's your system or if you're providing CPR for prolonged periods of time, like say you're taking patients to the cath lab or ECMO with ongoing CPR, this may be beneficial. Or like the scenario you brought up, the hypothermic arrest, this may be beneficial for prolonged CPR in that as well. The authors in this paper actually look to see, are there any areas where we might find signals of benefit in this paper? And so they performed what's called a multivariate meta-regression analysis to determine if there was any of these signals for specific patient populations where mechanical CPR may be beneficial. And of all the covariates they looked at, they only found three that reached statistical significance. These were the percentage of witnessed arrests, percentage of bystander CPR, and time lag for EMS arrival. They found that as the percentage of those with witnessed out-of-hospital cardiac arrest and those receiving bystander CPR went up, the benefit of mechanical CPR compared to manual CPR decreased. But as the time of EMS arrival went up, the benefit of mechanical CPR increased when compared to manual CPR. So this suggests that mechanical CPR devices may have a beneficial place in these non-ideal resuscitations where early initiation of quality CPR has just not been possible, either because it wasn't witnessed, there was nobody to provide bystander CPR, or it took a long time for EMS to get there. I'm going to trust you on that one. I can't make sense of that in my head. 
I can't either. And it might just be that, you know, in this scenario where you were set up for success, where it was witnessed, you got by standard CPR, EMS providers got there really quickly, then your chances of having ROSC with manual CPR or mechanical CPR is much higher. And it just kind of evens out those benefits. Whereas in those non-ideal situations, that's where you really see the advantages of the consistent compressions, the consistent depth, the non-fatiguing comes into play. Or it's just showing you those system issues that we talked about earlier, where these non-ideal situations tend to be rural areas where there are less providers on scene, they're much farther away from the hospital, and that's where maybe you see some of these benefits like we, we theorized earlier. Yeah, I think that's a good thing to hone in on. There are probably a lot of paramedics out there that work in a system where these devices are just simply too expensive. And you may look at a neighboring system or one nearby that has a device like this and think, man, I bet they have a way better cardiac arrest survival rate than than we do. And let this be assuring to you that doing all the basic stuff really well matters. Providing good manual chest compressions is just as effective as a machine like a Lucas device or an autopulse. Using your brain, which is not something you can purchase, that care you're rendering with your expertise as a paramedic, that stuff all matters. And so are these things potentially great tools for certain circumstances? Absolutely. But they're not the magic key to unlocking uh, large percentage uh, survivability rates. Yeah, exactly. If you're running a system and financially you have conflicting priorities, say you're trying to decide whether a mechanical CPR device would be more beneficial to you than, say, more AADs for your first responders or video lorenzoscopes, you should not feel bad if you decide you have a higher priority than the mechanical CPR device because we know high quality manual CPR does just as well as these mechanical devices. Yeah, and I know there are some systems out there that because of their cost, they simply can't deploy them on every ambulance. They might be in a a fly car or supervisor vehicle, something like that. And obviously every system is different and has different constraints. But the idea of one of these devices showing up and being a helpful addition to your resuscitation is great. Thinking about it like, well, we're just not going to save this person unless the device shows up that that's the wrong way to think about it. Right, exactly. And in my mind, I think you should always start with high quality, hands-on CPR because you're going to be able to do that immediately. Whereas this mechanical devices, you can get really good at putting them on really quickly, but they do like somebody needs to bring them, somebody needs to have them set up, ready to transition. So in my mind, the first person to reach the patient needs to start high quality CPR as soon as possible while somebody else works to smoothly transition if you're going to use one of these devices. So it happens quickly with very little time off the chest. Yeah, I can think of one specific situation where I was the solo responding medic with one of these devices. I got on scene with an ambulance almost simultaneously to a witness cardiac arrest. We quickly got on scene and because of early CPR, not necessarily mechanical CPR, but early CPR and early defibrillation, we quickly got a ROSC. The benefit to the device in that situation was we could still put the device on the patient, have it available should CPR be necessary. Example, should the patient lose their pulse again? 
but we didn't have to wait for first responders to show up in order to have someone ride in with us. We could then initiate transport. We had the ability to do chest compressions should they be necessary, and we could get the patient to the hospital, which is where they needed to be. That exact situation might not play out in every system, but for that call in that system, that was a huge benefit of the device. Yeah, that's another great example for how to effectively use resources responsibly by using this device and, and needing less providers in the back of the ambulance as, as you're going to the hospital. So to summarize this, the takeaway is that mechanical compression devices work just as well as manual CPR, but they do not provide any added benefit in achieving ROSC. And given the amount of evidence, which is a lot that currently exists, we can be fairly certain in this conclusion and any further studies would likely be futile in altering this conclusion. In my personal opinion, if your agency has specific system challenges that can be addressed by the use of mechanical compression devices, then great, go ahead and use them. But if your system has financial priorities outside of mechanical CPR devices that they would like to focus on, then they should not feel bad about focusing on high quality manual CPR instead. There's no right or wrong answer here. They work equally as well in obtaining ROSC. And for a full description of the paper and its strengths and limitations, check out the link in the website post below in the show notes in the description. And thanks as always for joining us. Thanks, everybody. 